0: How we doing this morning? Thumbs up? Two thumbs up? Good. Very encouraging. My name is Dominic. One of the pastors here. Excited to be with you. Also known as a bass player sometimes. And singer, drummer sometimes. But uh, glad to be with you. Uh, excited to spend the morning with you. If you have a Bible, turn to Mark chapter 2. We're in a new series called Healthy Habits, where as culturally we spend the New Year's creating uh, habits and thinking about how we want to work out more and save money more and eat better we're looking at spiritual habits and spiritual formation through an idea called spiritual disciplines where we can grow in our faith and grow in grace and so we're gonna look at that this morning Uh, but before we do i just wanted to give you an update if you didn't know if you were here during the advent season we talked about um, two opportunities to give to the church and to the community and one was through uh, our spanish ministry giving gifts and you church gave 85 gifts which blessed 85 families and an additional 210 families with our partners in LA. So I just wanted to say thank you for that. And we also gave funds to what was called Circle of Hope, which is our single mom's ministry. And last year you gave $8,000 in gift cards, which is incredible. And this year you gave almost $15,000. And so what a generous church you are, what a beautiful church you are. Thank you so much for partnering blessing, loving the single moms in our community, they have so much funds that now they're having a meeting to go, how do we even handle all this money? Because they gave each family over $500 for Christmas, and they still have over $6,000 to do stuff with throughout the year. So thank you. You're amazing. Isn't that cool? Yeah, a little pat on the back, a little round of applause for the Lord. Like, amazing. So I couldn't let that pass before we get into our sermon, so thank you for doing that. Again, healthy habits, we're talking about today about the habit of rest. And when we talk about spiritual disciplines, we're not talking about salvation, we're talking about formation, and that's really important. Because it can go into this category of, I do something so that I earn favor with God. And that's not what we're talking about this morning. Instead, we're talking about practices that help us live kingdom living. We've talked about, if you've been with us for any time, we've talked about walking in the spirit, and walking in step with him, and learning how to walk and grow in grace with him. So formation, not salvation. There's this beautiful quote from, there's two primary books if you're interested in exploring spiritual disciplines. One's by a guy named Dallas Willard, who you heard Ryan quote last week, which is called The Spirit of the Disciplines. And then there's a book by Richard Foster called The Celebration of the Disciplines. And this is what he says about the disciplines. He says, the grace of God is unearned. Can we say amen? And it's unearnable But if we ever expect to grow in grace we must pay the price of a consciously chosen course of action a consciously chosen course of action which involves both individual and group life spiritual growth is the purpose of the disciplines it's possible to put the disciplines in the wrong place and it makes it about achievement and earning favor but god's grace is unearned and unearnable and i love that and so keep that in mind as we explore the discipline of rest this morning. Amen? Mark chapter 2. If you have a Bible, paper, or digital, we're going to read here. Verse 23. Jesus has begun his teaching ministry. in Mark, he's he's now been baptized by John, his cousin, John the Baptist. And he starts healing people, and he starts retreating, and he starts healing people, and he starts retreating. And he does something unique. He heals his first uh, person who is demon-possessed on a Sabbath. And we hear that and go, what's the big deal? Well, the next chapter, he heals somebody again on the Sabbath, which is the day of rest for Israel. It says this in verse 23. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples walked along as they began picking some heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to them, look, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, have you never read what David did When he and his companions were hungry and in need In the days of Abathar the high priest He entered the house of God And ate the consecrated bread Which is lawful only for priests to eat And he also gave some to his companions Verse 27 Then he said to them The Sabbath was made for man Not man for the Sabbath So the son of man Is the Lord even of the Sabbath Lord bless his word Kind of confusing. He's healing on the Sabbath. What's the big deal? They're eating and they're picking grains as they're walking and talking. You see Jesus throughout his whole ministry talking and walking with his guys. And he's eating a lot. Some think he's kind of pudgy, which I find really encouraging. And because he's eating a lot with his disciples. That wasn't, why are you laughing? Um, So he's eating and he's talking. And they're picking grains and eating along the way. But the Sabbath, by this point, that was a big no-no. For context, rest and Sabbath begin all the way in Genesis 2, at the creation account. God creates, and when he's finished creating, he says it's very good, and then he rests. And not rest like he's fatigued. He's not a great God if he's that fatigued after creating. He's not that powerful if he needs a nap after creation. Instead, the word there is resting, is is taking satisfaction and delight in all the labor that he just committed. Perhaps you've had a great day and a rewarding time where you've been working to achieve a project and it comes and you sit down and you get some sweet tea on the porch. If you're in the South or maybe an adult beverage, I don't know what you do. But you grab a drink and you sit and you reflect and you just go, I can't believe it. It's so, soul satisfying to come to an end and completion of something. That's the account of the Lord in creation in Genesis 2. The next time we see rest, it's now called Sabbath. It becomes the fourth commandment in the Ten Commandments that are given in Exodus 20. And Israel has been released out of captivity with Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. Moses goes up on Mount Sinai and gives Ten Commandments. And the fourth is honor the Sabbath. The Lord's given the Sabbath and he's blessed it, and it's to be kept holy. You're not to do any work on that day. It's a, it's a gift from God, and it represents God's gracious heart to his people. It's a joyous thing. He's saying, I've created you for rest, that you can't keep going and going and going. And remember, you just came out of slavery. They know what it's like to work and work and work and labor with no rest, with no end in sight. And God's saying, there's a new way that I want humanity to function under. And it's this, that you rest, and you practice this rhythm of rest. And it's blessed. It's a good thing. It's not punitive. It's actually justice is at work here. Your servants get time off. You get time off to rest. It's a gift of, of, of trust that I trust God and his provision that in a highly ag culture where they had to milk and farm for everything, that they stopped and they rested and they trusted God's provision when they so desperately needed to work land. They trusted and paused. They celebrated with one another and shared meals and sang. This is the gift of God, commandment four. Honor the commandment. Keep it holy. It's altogether different and set apart. Well, man kind of adds more law to it, as we've talked about before. From the Torah, which is the Ten Commandments, 612 commandments get added to that by man. And over centuries, you see that Sabbath becomes less and less about rest and more about rule and regulation. By the time we get from the Old Testament to the New Testament, a group of Pharisees who Jesus is talking to here in Mark chapter 2, they've added what it's called the Mishnah. They added 39 new forbidden acts to happen on the Sabbath, including this. You can't untie a knot on the Sabbath. So no shoe tying. But I'm cool with flip-flops. That's fine. You may not walk on the grass, because breaking the grass is bruising it and kind of like threshing, which would be working. So no walking on the grass, What you might think is a nice thing on a day that you're resting to say, let's go on the grass and have a picnic. No walking on the grass. And for your kids, no climbing trees, because you might break a branch or snap a twig, and that's like threshing too. So, no more of that. So, all of a sudden, what is this God-given blessing, holy day set apart, modeled in creation, now given as a gift to an enslaved people, now to be able to rest and honor and trust, is this punitive, life-sucking, joyless day of burden and law, of more things that you can't do. And Jesus comes in and he does the unthinkable in sight of the Pharisees they're walking through fields and they're snapping twigs and taking a snack And they go, whoa, 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 whoa you're violating the Mishnah how dare you this is a holy day and Jesus goes, you're right but the Sabbath wasn't made for man to be enslaved to So. Right here, this key verse right here, uh, 27. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, you're not enslaved to this day. This is a day that's supposed to be freeing and life-giving, and there's a a return to that. There's a revitalization of that. I'm coming to correct. I break up with Mishnah. Mishnah was never my heart. Torah was my heart. Life-giving, blessing, joyous, fun, free day of rest to trust and pause and celebrate. Right again in chapter 3, if you're with me, the very next verse. Another time he went to the synagogue, and a man had a shriveled hand and was there. And some were the looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Everybody go, ooh. That was weak. Come on. Everybody go, ooh. He's going to heal on the Sabbath. oh Uh-oh. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everybody. Then Jesus went to them and he said, two rhetorical questions. Which is more lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or evil? What's the response? Go ahead, we can respond. What's the response? To do good. No brainer. Okay, how about to save a life or to kill? Save a life. Thanks. Of course, do good and save a life. He looked at them, but they remained silent. They didn't answer. He looked at them, verse 5. And in anger, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, he said, man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Check this verse out. In this context, knowing rest, knowing Mishnah, 39 new restrictions, burden and law instead of life and freedom. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted with the Herodians on how they might kill Jesus. Because of violation of the Sabbath, it triggers them wanting to kill Jesus. And the Herodians are the opposing party. It's like saying, you voted for Trump, you voted for Biden. We really don't align on anything, but what we do align is this, we hate Jesus. And he broke Sabbath, let's kill him. Is that insane? Life-giving, soul-filling day Healing, which should have been like, no way. He healed him. His hand was like that, and now it's like that. We've known this guy, Crazy Joe. He's walking around, and he can never help with work. And now he's like this. He's high-fiving everybody. He never experiences. He's fist-bumping. No way. We should be celebrating. Praise God. He healed the demon-possessed man in chapter 1. We should have been going, that demon said he was the son of God. How did he know that no way he's caring for his disciples and feeding them they're hungry praise God better to do good than evil better to save life than to kill and instead they plot to kill him enemies coming together over breaking of the Sabbath well Jesus is ultimately betrayed he's killed He's crucified. He's given death that was meant for a criminal. He's despised and rejected by his creation. He hangs on a cross. He's beaten beyond recognition. He dies. He's buried. He resurrects. And on this side of the resurrection, a new covenant is established. A new way of man operating with God and God with man. No longer are this law and burden that are to be kept, but Jesus fulfills all law, and now this new freedom comes in. This new life comes in, and then it's entrusting and repenting of life and trusting in Jesus and who he is as the Son of God. Now there's life, and life in the fullest. And Sabbath looks like this. In Colossians, if you're taking notes, you can write it in Colossians 2, 16 through 17. The church in Colossae is struggling with Jesus plus something else. They're taking the gospel and going, it can't be that simple. It has to be more to that. So we have to practice fasting or different types of sacrifices or there's got to be a special knowledge about Jesus. And Paul says, no, 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 it's Jesus. In a way with your Sabbaths and your new moon festivals, let no one hold this against you. Those Sabbaths and festivals were supposed to represent they're a shadow of what is what he would say. They're a shadow representing what was to come, but the substance now is Jesus. Meaning this is that for those in Christ this morning and then and for us today, that if you're in Christ, there's rest and ultimate rest. Not just you need a nap from work, but ultimate rest. When an enemy made friend, when vehemently opposed and rejecting, now enfolded into as his kids. Not only that, the writers of Hebrew, again, if you're taking notes, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 through 11, the writer of Hebrews says this, is that ultimately there's an ultimate rest that's awaiting those who have trusted into the gospel. The shadow of what was to come now is in the substance of Jesus, the fullness of deity. In chapter 4, it says that there's rest that's awaiting. There's a heavenly rest to come. Where at the last breath, we breathe in new life with new creation, a new heaven, a new earth, face to face with Jesus. So, whatever the Sabbath was supposed to model and bring, now there's this new and ultimate rest that comes in Jesus. Is that good news? So while the Sabbath, in my estimation, some still think the Sabbath is something to be honored and modeled and kept closely today, I would say no because Jesus, we break up with law and we embrace the law of the Spirit. But I would say this, there's good to learn this morning from the Sabbath and from the practice of rest as we're learning to grow in grace. We don't have to look far to see that our world is busy. We are busy and we wear it like a badge of honor at times. You meet with somebody and everyone pulls out their calendar and like, let's get together. Yeah, oh man, I'm so busy. How does March sound? And you're like, it's January 15th. March sounds good, I guess. Oh, nope, kids game that day. Uh, December, we're busy. In fact, we're so busy that statistics have come out that have said that 55% of us as Americans don't use all our vacation time in a year. That equates to over 680 million hours that are unused of vacation time. 222 million of those don't roll over, so they're just lost. We're so busy that 55% of us don't take all our vacation. Is that crazy? In that, Also, we don't sleep. 70% of Americans have a sleep disorder. One in three would say that they don't sleep regularly and in full on a regular basis. And 88% of us would say because we were binge watching the show last night we didn't sleep great. Screens have now come in and dictated a different pace. So even when we're on vacation, There's this annoying screen in our pockets. Ding, 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 ding. I don't know about you, but I keep a zero inbox. Do you know how exhausting that is? (laughs) I look at my wife's phone, and there's like 5,000 texts and emails, and I'm just like, oh my, I gotta sit down. I need Sabbath just from seeing that. Zero inbox, zero text, I respond to everything. Or I pretend like I do and just delete them, and then I have zero. Confession, sorry. (laughs) If you're an average phone user, the phone is now the digital appendage that we all reach for. It's become the extension of us. There's conversations about what is human now because we're attached to these things all day long. If you're an average phone user, which, by the way, average adult in America today is about four hours on their phone. It's nine hours for Gen Z two and a half hours of those are on social media seeing what you don't have and what you want. But if you're an average phone user, the average amount of times that you will reach for that digital appendage is over 2,500 times in a day. If you are more than an average user, say you are using it for your phone, it's over 5,000 times in a day, 2,600 times that I'm Even saying that we have a phantom reaction of, like, I thought my phone was vibrating. It's like, no, dude. The wind. It's called the wind. Go outside. We're busy and we're distracted. We don't rest well. And Jesus' invitation and the Lord's invitation from the beginning of creation should give us pause to say, there might be something to that. We weren't wired to be on this whole time. We weren't wired to be moving at this pace all the time. Hurry, in a hurry. The statistics are saying also that just the reality for us post-COVID, if I can be so bold and say post-COVID, even though COVID is still here, we haven't even processed what's happened in the last two and a half years because we've just been going and going. But what we do see is rising levels of anxiety and depression and mental disorders and frustration and stress, and the digital numbers of us coping have doubled by some estimates just because of the reality that's been happening in our lives. We need rest, we need time to pause, we need time to unplug, and so in the last few minutes of thinking of Sabbath and rest and understanding historical context, looking at the context of what you and I live in, I am very average in the 2,500. Sometimes I'm the 5,000. I'm the guy on vacation that goes, I just need to step outside really quick and take this call, babe. Be right back. So I stand here convicted, but also humbled to say, I need help in this too. And so I wanna look at this word Sabbath. And here's four takeaways if you're taking notes or you can just reflect and think about. The invitation to rest is found in the word Sabbath, it can be translated in multiple different ways. Four will look out today. The first, Shabbat is the word, when it's translated into English, it can also mean stop. Rest, the invitation to stop and Sabbath is something that we need. The idea is to stop from all paid work, to stop even thoughts of thinking about paid work, to quiet the mind, to stop thinking anything hard intellectually, emotionally, physically, spiritually. You stop, you take a pause, you wait. It's not escapism, you just stop and say, we'll get to that tomorrow. Ever been in counseling? The counselor's like, we're not gonna fix that today, we'll get to that next time. That's what Sabbath is, stop. Stop whatever you're doing, unplug, wait, rest. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called Screwtape Letters, and he talks about, it's two demons, it's a senior demon talking to a junior demon, and he talks about the schemes of the enemy and how they win, and he says this, is that, that noise is the tool of the enemy, and hell is occupied by noise, so we use noise to shut down the mercies and silence of heaven." To counteract the noise. We stop. We're silent. And silent doesn't mean that you don't hear anything. It's pretty impossible to go somewhere and not hear anything. But silence of mind. We stop. We pause. We reflect. I'd like to do that now with you for 30 seconds if we can. I want you to see how hard it actually is. But remember at top, it's a conscious effort of decisions that we make. So the invitation to stop and rest, 30 seconds, would you do it with me? Close our eyes. You silence your mind, and you practice silence this morning. You practice Shabbat this morning. Close your eyes, free of distraction, 30 seconds. Raise your hand if that was hard. Is anybody thinking about the groceries afterwards? What are you going to eat? Even for five seconds, sometimes it's hard to be quiet. Stopping is also a way of detoxing. Detoxing from the relentless hurry that we find ourselves in. Second, Shabbat is this, is rest. Rest as we see God resting in creation, but rest in the sense of all hard work stops and now we just get to rest and find things that are restorative for us for some of us we go you know what's restorative being in large crowds with a lot of people for some of us go heck no in my bed with a book don't talk to me for some of us go we can't wait to get out in the surf for some of us we go we can't wait to go for a walk for some of us we go we just want to watch a movie the freedom in Christ now that you're not bound to law is to explore and have fun with God and return to the celebration that was Sabbath, rest. Be creative. You, you are capable people. You put your best efforts in your work, with your friendships, with your families. Put work into rest. Think about it. Plan it. From Monday to Friday, think about what could I do that would be restorative, that would be really fun, and go do that. Doesn't have to cost money, but it could. Doesn't have to be extravagant, but it can be. You have freedom to explore, resting, stopping, enjoying the goodness of God, growing in his grace, being silent, doing it alone, doing it with others. Explore Shabbat, rest. The third, delight. Shabbat can be translated as delight. It's a return to exploring what was beautiful if life is always go, 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 more, 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 ding, 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 ding. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did they like my photo? Did they not? It's hard sometimes to see the beauty in your own life. And the postponing of hard conversations, it doesn't diminish that there's not hard stuff going on, but is there good and beautiful around you? Once a week, the Shabbat, the rest, the delight, allows us to train our minds to say, but on this day, Apart from others' days, I shut that part off. I don't minimize or trivialize or numb from it, but just this time I just go, God, I'm so thankful. Train my heart to be grateful this morning. Today, as in my comings and goings, help me to just celebrate who you are. Delight. Fourth and final, it's worship. Chabot can be translated worship. And in fact, Psalm 92, if you want to read later on your own, it's dedicated. It's a song in the hymnal of Israel that is dedicated just to the Sabbath. It would be a song that they sung and celebrated and turned their minds to on the Sabbath. I'll read just a little bit for you. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night to the music of a 10 string lyre and the melody of the harp. For you make me glad by your deeds, O Lord, and I will sing at the work of your hands. How great are your works, O Lord, and how profound are your thoughts. And on and on and on. God, you're still working even as I rest. God, you never tire even though I get tired. While I slumber, you're watching and working. How great are your deeds. Shabbat I worship we do that together as a family this morning we get to worship and celebrate the goodness of God for some of us this is a rest and a pause so the invitation church this morning to practice the discipline of rest the rhythms of rest as we grow in grace not to earn favor but to live as people who stop and unplug as people who rest it's people who take delight and enjoy beauty around us, and people who worship. And the practical task, as I invite the band back up, is this, is would you explore a few things? For some of us, we need to maybe adopt and explore a digital sabbatical. One day a week, where phones go away, they get shut off, and we look at people. Oh, whoa, you're here. I didn't even know you were here the whole time. It could be something as simple as sharing a meal with family or friends. Can I say to the families and parents here, especially of the youngers, can you not have a meal in your minivan this week? Have a meal at the table where you look at your kids and have a conversation with them? For the spouses who are both working, could you pause and unplug and close the laptop and the phone and look eye to eye with each other and go, oh yeah, we like each other. I forgot about that. For the singles, that you go and do something life-giving and you can go on a date that doesn't involve an app because you're meeting people and you're having fun and you're celebrating and life is good. You can celebrate the goodness of God in that moment. Whatever it is, I just encourage you to take a next step to pick one area of rest and to practice at it. A practical thing that I'll close with is a story of, I was 26, we were living in Orange County and I thought I was doing pretty good at resting. And I came home, and what I looked like as a young pastor, maybe eight years into my career at that point, was I worked a full day, and I was on the phone my entire drive home. I came in the house on the phone with my son crawling around my feet. I had my laptop on my shoulder that I put on the desk. I finally unplug. It seemed like every night I'd go, sorry, babe, it's a call. It's really important. I've got to take it. Sometimes it would take me back. I got to go back to go crisis mode. Eventually, we'd have dinner, we'd put our son back, and then I'd open my laptop and go back to work because there was still more stuff to do. And that was the rhythm of Dominic at 26. And I was built for that in some ways. My capacity and my engine is very high. But My wife of 23 at the time, she sat down one night and said, how many hours did you work? I said, 40? And behind the couch, she pulled out a piece of paper where she'd been tracking my hours that week, and not including my phone calls or the emails that I was on. She said, it's Thursday, and it's 77. She started crying. She said, could you just, like, work a normal job? Could you just work Monday through Friday? Like, maybe is not it. Could you just do something where you're not on all the time? And God used that conversation in my life to start practicing rest. Not perfect, but it became the conversation for the first time in my life to slow down, unplug, and pause. We sat down, and we found out I couldn't do my job before in under 45 hours. I said, it's 45 hours right there. But here's my honoring. I'll never walk in on the house on the phone call again. So I'd be in my parking lot going, (laughs) yep, okay. And right when I got home, turn off my phone and be like, babe, I'm here. I'd been here for two hours, but you just saw me now. My laptop stayed at work. The urgent things were in crowding out the important things, and the important thing was my family, my own soul, learning how to rest, and knowing that what I did at 26, when I eventually will turn 46, is a totally different pace. And My goal is to walk with the Lord and serve the church for the rest of my life. And so I don't want to burn out. I want my marriage to be intact. I want my soul to be intact. I want to still love the church. I want to still delight in Him. So a very practical conversation around my table would you have a conversation around your table this week would you explore the invitation to rest not salvation but formation would you learn with me to walk in grace and walk in the rest that is found in jesus amen would you stand i'm going to pray for us and we're going to sing one final song together Lord, we love you. We thank you that you are a God of rest and that we find rest in you because of Jesus and the finished work for those in Christ this morning. We find rescue and hope and healing. God, may we lovingly receive the invitation as you modeled, even as you created, that you rested, that we as your creation can rest and unplug and listen and lean in to each other the important relationships around us, to the beauty of the creation that you have placed even outside these doors for us, and that we would be a people growing in grace, learning to hear your voice, learning to silence the schemes of the enemy and the tool of noise to enjoy the silence and mercies of heaven. We trust you now for that, in Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I hope that message is encouraging. I hope you take the invitation. I'd love to see you next week and hear how you, what you came up with, how you're resting, how that's changed your disposition in your heart, how you're hearing the Lord more, how you're relating to your friends and family around you more. How how work comes Monday feels a lot different if I'm rested versus no rest. So I'd love to hear that, share stories with each other, and love to talk about if you have any more questions. Otherwise, God bless you. Go grab some coffee, see each other out on the plaza, and have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.